Wait, are you in uh, Colby? Are you in Germ Germany? No, I'm not that race. Oh, he's at he's in uh, New, York. New York. So yeah, I'm in New York, and Colby was like, "Let's do it." <laughs> well, he drove five hours this morning. I'm here till Thursday. Wow. You guys <laughs> trade together this morning? No, we probably will tomorrow. I mean, yeah, he just got here like 15 minutes ago after his drive. Shit, you should have left a little earlier, and then you could have traded. I know. I left at 5 a.m. Yeah, it was already pretty early. But yeah, it was like 5 You didn't do any trading then, huh? Tomorrow's CPI, so uh -huh. usually, I usually don't trade these days anyway. The market is so sketchy these days, I feel like. <laughs> Dude, for real. Today was so frustrating for me. I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing anymore. I was like <laughs> so confident last month, and I feel like a fucking retard now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were on such a good streak, and then you had a few real intense uh, PL down draws. <clears throat> both of us did like exactly at the same time. That's true. You guys both did. But I, that comes with big size, right? That kind of comes with the territory. Yeah. It, I mean, I had started taking more size in April and March while I was having so many good, consistent days. And then um, like I knew that it potentially could be an issue that as soon as I had a red day or was in a drawdown that, uh, like I was red on the day, things weren't really moving anymore, that it had a chance to be a bigger red day yeah. just because of the bigger share size and getting frustrated and, um, like relatively to my green days, at least. So I had a, a solid red day on Friday, finally. Um, it was my first red day since March, actually, which is great, but yeah, it was like 4,800, um, which like all things considered is really not that bad. Um, cause I try to keep my red days within hopefully one decent green day of being out of the drawdown. Um, 4,800 is definitely more like two or three, but yesterday, Yesterday, I was really frustrated. Yesterday, I had one of those types of days where I was just by the end of the day, I was like, I just want the day to be over and maybe we can redo tomorrow. Um, I It started out with, I was making my coffee in the morning, spilled half the milk. Um, <laughs> Joe, that's how it starts. That's yeah. how it starts. Yeah. Like, there, it, was, it, was, it was off from the start. Um, and then I traded, I traded well. I was up 2,100 after the morning session. I went to the gym, uh, had a kind of weird workout. I just was like, not strong, feeling weak. Everything felt heavy and tough. It took two hours to get through my lift. I got back from the gym. I took like one more trade on TRVN, which I was up 16 or 1700 on. I actually went short on it going into the end of the day because i was like they're up 300 some percent they have an active s3 registered so i was imagining at, at close that they might announce an offering so i went short into the pop into the descending resistance trend line um and i don't know if you guys watched that it halted going into the market close and when it resumed it went a full dollar higher and then immediately all the way back down um, but I was holding 2,700 shares, so I couldn't just like keep holding it. So I went from up 1,600 on it to down 300 in like one trade. Oof, so, that's yeah, that's, that's beyond. Yeah. yeah. 
So I, I, I was. You, you do it, the halt down. I mean, the false halt down. Is that is is that like your best strategy? Because I've tried that, and I end up buying the dip into a halt down, and then it opens up twenty or thirty cents lower, and I'm like max loss. Yeah, <clears throat> halts down are tough, and I would definitely not say anybody who. I would say that no one who has not made a significant amount of profit should be trying to trade false halts down. Because number one, like if you don't have a substantial profit cushion just in your trading career, I think it's dangerous because that can happen. And just the yeah. other day, I forget what what stock it was or whatever, but I took, uh, I think it was on the podcast last week. Yeah, that was um, brutal where you went up from 3,000 down to like 15. Uh, yeah, negative. but I took a false halt in one of those moves and um, it bounced like five cents and then the halt level moved lower and it restacked on that lower level. So that can happen too every now and then. Um, but I definitely have an edge on them. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that I really like on false halt is I use the thinkorswim active ladder uh, more so than my DOS level two because it shows the the strength of the stack on that one penny, one one price point, whereas level two, um, it shows the stack across all of the different exchanges. So it's a lot easier to read the strength of the stack on the active ladder. So that's actually what I look at. And then you can really easily gauge like how strong was that halt up compared to the last one or how, how strong was that halt down and then it makes it really easy to see when the when the stack on the ask is thinning out. So that's how I trade those, but definitely not a beginner or even like intermediate strategy. Yeah, I definitely would say. seems like that, yeah. But I mean, like they have a ton of potential because when you do get a false halt down, especially on things that are moving yeah. fast and like from five to eight to ten to twelve dollars, like you'll yeah. frequently get a dollar or two bounce out of it. Yeah. We we did get one today on ENSC. Did you get did you catch it? On ENSC? Yeah, there was a false halt down and I was actually in on the dip and I thought it was gonna halt uh like close oh, they actually sure. close and halt down, but um the the ass got chewed up and I got lucky. I was about to bail out um break even and I yeah. lucky a 20 cent win. <laughs> uh I didn't see one on ENSC. I there were some on there was one on SFWL that I missed um, at 1040. The bottom of that candle was a false halt down uh, that bounced like a dollar fifty. I didn't get that. I'll share my screen just so we can see. Yeah, some sure. Um, yeah, the 1040 candle, the bottom of that candle was a false halt down before it continued downward. And then it went to the high of day. Um, so like they're definitely powerful but um, yeah. obviously very risky <laughs> yeah how about, how about hot resumptions on the way up do you do you buy just like a gap up after a halt it depends um like especially all of the halts we've been seeing lately the ones that have been gapping up have been gapping up like a dollar or two or three dollars and like there's no way i can get in on those resumptions unless it dips and then stops going down and then i can get in yeah. Um, but like, it depends on how many halts it's had. If it has had two or three halts and it's showing a gap up, like there's no way that I can get in because you have so much downside potential. Yeah. 
Um, so those have been really hard for me, actually, the last week. They've been like really, really tough on the emotions and mentality and psychology side of it. Um, and I think that's kind of like everybody, all of my friends who I'm talking with, everyone feels the same. Like we don't know if it's good for us or bad for us because they've been kind of just like really triggering. <laughs> if you if you miss the initial halt, you're like there's no entry. Yeah, I was I was nervous, Nancy, today. Well, first of all, ENSC really screwed me over. Uh, you can't see my piano right now. Here it is. I'm down 450. It's not that bad, but mm -hmm. I was basically crawling out of a giant hole on ENSC. I was down like seven eight hundred on this one. I was and too. Made, and then I made back some. And then I was just like, I can't justify trading this ticker. I'm clearly not in any sort of flow on it. And then TCRX mm -hmm. came up and I got some green on this one, but I missed I missed the, the good trading here. I got some trades here. And then like a total buffoon, I was like perfect bear trap. And somehow <laughs> I lost money here. You called that one out. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even yeah. trade with big size. I don't know why I shook myself out. I think it was because I just came back from like, I ended the day down. Let me hide these. I, I like only a hundred dollars, and so I think like mentally I was so in capital preservation mode that mm -hmm. I mentally could not handle holding this move, even though I was down like twenty bucks, which is nothing. And that's when I knew I got to call it because I'm I'm like I'm only thinking about my PL right now, and not this perfect. Yeah. Me. So. I try to think about my PL as little as possible, but like I'm always aware of it. And I can do yeah. really fast mental math too, which is kind of an issue sometimes because like I'm like, I know I'm up 400 on this one. I know I'm down 300 here, up 500 here, whatever. I'll just add it up really quickly, even if I don't look. Yeah. Uh, so like yeah. I'm aware of my PL kind of no matter what. It's no secret. But yeah. I did the same thing. I was down 800 on ENSC. Um, Luckily, I was able to recoup it, and I actually had gotten up to like plus 200. I gave a little back, so I'm at plus 50 on it, and then I did the same thing as you. I was like, obviously, this isn't working really well for me. Yeah, this thing is not working. No. Yeah, I traded 48,000 shares of it, and I'm up $53, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot. I only did like, like seven point five thousand. That's a big indicator to me. I'm like, there's probably better things to trade. Yeah, it's the more you so trade, the more on. red you get. That's a that's a clear writing on the wall. Yeah, so I moved on from that one, and I'm obviously really glad I did because then I started focusing on TCRX, which is where I made basically all of my yeah. profit today. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah. So. Little little recap here for, for anyone that's watching is usually we do podcasts or like we'll record this on Thursdays and we'll release it Friday. Today is Tuesday, so it should be released Wednesday. Is everyone feeling more energetic? <laughs> is, this, is this good for everyone's schedule? Tuesdays are fine for me. They're definitely better for my schedule, yeah, since I started the job. Yeah, okay, it's good to hear. Yeah, Tom, it's so nice to have you back. It's been so long. Yeah, it has like, been a while. Yeah, I do like I do like beginning of the week too because uh, it does, like you said, it does give you that um, sort of uh, you prepare then for the and implement new uh, rules and new stuff that we're working on for the rest of the week rather than forgetting about it coming up back on Monday. Yeah, by by Friday I'm usually like mentally clocked off a little bit already. Yeah, how's the job been? Uh, it's been good. It's it's really it's really easy work. I just 
I clock in and I clock out and take my paycheck, pays the bills, and then I focus on trading. So that's exactly nice. <laughs> it's not bad to have some stable income while yeah. you're working on trading. What yeah. what's the job? Uh it's like uh financial services, just uh taking phone calls for the banks. That's cool. really it. It's a big bank too, right? No, I don't actually work in one like specific bank. It's like a third party. Uh-huh. And anyone who calls like you have like a uh, like a 300 like sorry like a 300 client list of banks and anyone who calls that bank it kind of gets routed back to me. Oh, uh, so you like change your hat quickly. And so me. yeah, I pretty much change my hat. Uh, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a market maker now. Has any yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> right? Did, has yeah, anyone watched easy, Silicon Valley? Definitely makes like, it first public hat to slowly take me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one time like well, uh, thank you for calling Wells Fargo. Thank you for calling PNC. Thank you for calling yeah. USA Bank. <laughs> Does anybody watch uh, Silicon Valley? Yeah, dude, such a good series. You know, um, Jared, when he turns into Nate Chambers? Nate Chambers, I don't remember. It's his alter ego. He's just like... Where he was mean? From... Where he was mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where he's like a douche. Oh, yeah. Wasn't just... his alter ego like this like weird German, like super he, he had a couple no oh, yeah, he, uh, okay. when he dreamed or when he was sleeping he yeah, was like, yeah, yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> funny that series is the best it's good yeah and honestly it's it's very accurate to palo alto if you guys haven't been <laughs> around here that's what palo alto is like I've, the people I've there heard, and I've like the robots in the street yeah i see bro actually that one scene where they're trying to buy arrow off the kids I'm yeah. like, that, that is so perfect. <laughs> it's yeah, that's what life is like down there. <laughs> Shit. Toby, let's hear about your uh your week. Uh <laughs> it's, it's Toby, a like of parties weeks. like every night. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> today was decent, but my first uh, you know, I my first trade or my first couple of trades pre-market got myself green. Okay, and then took that took that drawdown like you did on um ENSC when it just never stopped coming or just never bounced. It just kept like falling and falling and falling. And then I managed to get myself back to even on it during pre-market. So I was pretty happy about that. <clears throat> and I was up like 300 bucks to to start the, the regular market. And then the first trade I took on uh, ENSC once the market opens, like the second minute, got caught in a little flush, down four four hundred and fifty bucks immediately. So I was a little pissed off about that. But uh, I bounced back. The second trade I made on that on ENSC, I was I made a thousand bucks. So went went from minus four fifty to plus like five hundred. Yeah, you had a nice ending there. I saw. And then I uh, did a halt resumption on SLRX, did okay on that one, I, or what, I think it was SLRX, and then SFWL? Uh, yeah. I didn't trade SFWL, hmm. I was pretty much done, I was pretty much done already by then, okay, and then uh, just, you know, a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there, and was able to finish green about 879 bucks. Which is well needed because it's been a huge drawdown in the last two weeks. So talk to Alex. We need uh, he said, you know, 
when he was having some trouble, he just needed to have a green day. And mm -hmm. so I closed up shop when I was at high day and awesome. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. Yeah. Nothing worse than finally getting back a decent chunk and then ending the red oh. for like the fourth day in a row. And you're just like, I was, I was, I was rallying all of last month. I thought, you know, I was making great trades, finishing early. And then last two weeks have been a struggle. I'm not sure exactly what's wrong. I think that I've been trying to get like squeeze out every single penny on every single like ticker. So I'm like taking way too many trades on the same ticker on the same setup. Mm -hmm. and I end up just getting smoked. And uh, I just need to take, you know, the one or two good setups and and not touch it again, actually. And that's kind of what I did today. And it worked out well. It seems like a lot of your like your bigger red days and even on your green days, you always have one trade that's like 90 percent of your profits. Yeah, I I mean, maybe I I was in 3000 shares for the ENSC when I made the thousand bucks and I probably could have scaled out even a little slower. but. I was I was happy with getting back to green and closed it up and then took a couple more trades after that. But yeah, I've I've had some <laughs> some big winners in the last three weeks or so, but also I've taken some huge losses. And a lot of times it's not like the loss that's so big. It's I'll take two or three consecutive losses on the same ticker, like right in a row. Mm -hmm. Still, mm -hmm. like you know, while it's falling, because I'm like, oh, I can't go any lower. <clears throat> I'll double down on this one and then take another big loss, and that's where I accumulate like the the big red. How how do you um, recover mentally after you do take a couple of those losses? Because I mean, um, a lot of people watching, I'm sure, like will take three or four losses in a row, and they feel like that they're just not that same trader anymore, and they start to feel bad about themselves, and then it just like spirals out of control to either when either they size down to try to mitigate those losses and turn it around which is a successful way to do it or the wrong way to go about it is sizing up to try to make those back so how do you like manage those emotions and that mentality of when you're taking so many losses in a row yeah it's it's uh that's tough you know and definitely you know it's human nature to to get down on yourself to to question everything you're doing and to uh, I mean, I I think I think one of the biggest problems was you know I just started going over everything with a fine tooth comb, which I was which I don't quite do as often. You know, I'm just I look at my trades, I see how I traded when I'm doing well, but I don't spend I don't overanalyze it. And then now that I had a couple bad days, I was overanalyzing it, and then you almost you almost get yourself more screwed up because you're overthinking everything. Yeah, and overanalyzing everything, and looking at all the trades, and saying, "Okay, I want to try to do this and this and this," and just making up all this other extra crap, which you just need to kind of relax and just let it happen. I definitely, yeah. when I was doing well, I started trading more, and I think that was kind of the problem that that um, kind of carried through. So I need to reduce my trading, my the amount of trades I make. Like I said, I was overtrain tickers you know i'm trying to hit the pop and then i'm trying to you know get it scale out and then when it pulls back try to hit that pullback and trying to hit every single penny i can get yeah. on, on one move which is it's not necessary it's like, yeah, that's, that's where i get myself in trouble a lot. i just need to make that one good move maybe there's a solid pullback wait around for it and then hit that but not try to take 
getting greedy, I guess, just trying to hit every single penny. Yeah. Do you think it's possible to get like that one big trade and to try to avoid the rest? Or do you think that like you get that big trade because you're testing it out so much beforehand? Mm. No, I think I can get that trade for sure. But I also believe I can make that trade two or three times in a day. And maybe that's then I that's where I get to maybe testing out things a little bit too much. Um I feel like I'm you know, I did have a horrendous downswing the last week or so, but I also feel like I'm right I'm right at the cusp too. So that's kind of, you know, mentally like you were asking about Tom, how you kind of get up, get past it all. It's like you know, I've been training for a little while now. I've had some bad days, bad weeks when I first started. And then I got a little bit consistent. And then I had some real big bad drawdowns. And then I was, I've been really consistent recently. And then now I've had a bad couple of weeks. And, um, but I know that I'm like right at that cusp. Like I, I'm making some big gains during the day, but I'm also losing them. And if I can just mitigate some of the losses, slow it down just a little bit and yeah. got the trade just a touch more. I think that I can have very consistent green days. I know, I know it's possible. I only had like two or three red days last month. Yeah. It was, it was looking good. Same, same with Danny. He's like had a whole entire green month. Right. That was nice. I guess when in doubt zoom out. Right. And like when I was looking at your trending uh, or your cumulative PL Toby, like you're you crawled off your bottom really nicely and you're I mean, it, like if i look at your cumulative pnl i'm like wow something clicked you know now you're having a little bit of a drawdown again but it's just like a natural progression so seems like you're right on track yeah i'm, try, like I'm not going to i'm not going to size down much i size down just slightly but not much off of what i'm doing i want to <clears> keep i don't think that's the answer yeah I've been a little over aggressive, but I also I, I want to keep my share size pretty consistent around fifteen hundred mm -hmm. when I can, and um, yeah. and and just get into better get into better trades and and think think through the trade just a little bit better. And I was kind of well, I was kind of talking myself through all the trades today, which which was helpful too. Are you recording yourself? Yeah, except for today, I, I okay. messed up. I was so caught up trading ENSC because it was going right into the to the market open. <laughs> I yeah, was so busy trading move. it still that I didn't get to my recording. Yeah. I try not. To, I don't trade. I don't. I usually. I probably should, but I don't record pre market because I I definitely don't go full size during pre market. I kind of use it as a warm up, so I'm using like half size. So fifteen hundred is what I usually trade. I'll be seven fifty during pre market. Um, yeah okay I do, I do want to open like expand on that a little bit and kind of ask you know everyone else is like how do you guys um not let trading or the bad days in trading uh affect your day moving forward depends <laughs> depends on the the day how it went friday um $4,800 red day it definitely affected my day um it didn't it didn't really affect my weekend aside from me just wanting and being ready for monday morning to have a chance to to um start to make progress against it yeah 
But I also was really aware of that yesterday morning. I was like, I can't, I need to be careful and slow and, and um, deliberate about the trades that I'm taking. Just be like, the first thing for me is the rule number one is don't try to make up the red day in one trade or one day. If it happens, great. But that's that's kind of a byproduct of trying to keep your red day to one or two decent green days. Um, but like always, you, you have to be taking trades that are there and good trades to take. And that's how you'll start to make progress against it. Yesterday was really frustrating for me, for me going from a really solid green day to a negligible red day. Like I ended the day red like 300 or something like that, which luckily for me at this point is less than one decent trade. Um, it was just the fact that I gave back like $2,500 and turned it from a solid green day into a small red day. But um, it's just like learning from them over time and having the confidence that you'll learn from the mistakes and do better next time. Mm. Uh, or having the excitement or the like curiosity or feeling of opportunity that you can do better next time. And it really sucks if you're in a red streak and like every day you're excited for the next day to do better. And then you do the same thing because yeah. <laughs> I've been there too. Um, but I think just realizing that it's a really long journey and it's just a, just like a, a pullback in a, in price action or in a chart it's just part of move up absolutely and and i know alex you've been having some trouble the past like couple of months you were saying can you expand like on your experience with uh having so many of those losers and then making some money and then giving it back making some money giving it back losing more than making that back and then after yeah. like five months finally being you know green yeah, breaking out of my plateau, I can even share a picture of it. But I'm sure that was very, very frustrating. You know, my girlfriend would probably explain it better than I can. Uh, she would see me just go into the living room and just being like, you know, just so frustrated. Um, which, here, let me pull it up. Which, let's see, which, which portfolio is this? Um, yeah, I mean, you see it here, so... Oh, yeah, you guys see this? <clears throat> so let me hide nominal PL and, and volume. And <laughs> like this, this really sums it up. So I was like on a really clean front side. This is when I was doing a lot of the streaming. I was streaming to like here, which is kind of ironic that that was my best. But when I was streaming, I was like very focused on, you know, this is the only thing I trade. I only trade the front side. I only do this, uh, XYZ. So I, I was like very black and white. And then we had probably one of the slowest, slowest years, like 2022, at least for me and a lot of the front side uh, traders, it was like, you just weren't getting that. Someone's in the trade. <laughs> you just weren't getting a lot of follow through. So that's when things kind of slowed down for me. And then it was like near the end, October, November, <clears throat> where I was like, oh, let me really practice my swing trading as well. So this is when I started tripping over myself and like I would have a great swing trade day, but then like a horrible day trading day or a great day trading day. And then, but then I gave back 2000 of my swing trades and I was just overanalyzing, overthinking. And then it just led to like, yeah, five plus months of flat, like the worst plateau ever. And this is very frustrating because yeah, one day you're up thousand, the next day you're down a thousand. And then, and it's just like, you're always excited 
Uh, I know someone just said this. You're, you're, I think Danny just said this. You're really excited for the next day to get back on progress. Uh, and <clears throat> the worst thing to do is, you know, just slam back down your progress. And honestly, what I kind of started doing was like analyzing a little bit less. I needed to kind of just get back to the roots. Like I knew, I know how to trade. You know, it's not like I, I kind of became my own biggest enemy. Like you guys saw today with that one trade, um, TRVN, where I closed it on that, or was it TRVN? No, I think it was um, TCRX. Yeah, TCRX. Yeah. yeah where I closed it right before the breakout because I came too focused on my PL. So just kind of working on, on kind of keeping it simple again. And uh, right now I still am wrapping it up earlier, which today was a problem. But I think just taking some profits off the table, coming back tomorrow has been really good. I am in a little bit, you can argue in an uptrend again when I started on it looks so good. You, zoom in, you could argue. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe we go to the weekly. Um, you can kind of see it coming back a little bit um, just on a healthy little trend. And that's just me taking my green days. Uh, I need to start sizing again. I'm not sizing nearly as much as I should be doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I had to build up some confidence again because when I was doing two strategies at once, it was really, really sloppy. And now I, I'm still doing, I'm still doing that a little bit, but I'm more or less like building up some investments and building up my investment portfolio because I do feel like a lot of tickers are depreciated. So it's not so much like actively um, looking for swings or actively holding longer when I should be taking profits. It's not that anymore. It's more like two different timeframes because what I was trying to do was hold a five minute time frame longer. Let me hold this front side uh, for 30 minutes instead of, you know, doing the one minute trading. And for me, my intraday duration is I make all my money on those quick trades and I don't make money on anything I hold pretty much over two minutes. So I basically stopped doing my best strategy and, and just tried something totally different for a while, which absolutely did not work. So for me, it's really just getting back to my roots right now, keeping it really simple, getting some confidence back. I know I can do it. Market's heating up too. Uh, so I think I'm on the right trend again. At least that's what it feels like. You know, if you asked me three months ago, I would have, I would have still been like, I don't know. But I think at this point, I, I feel fairly confident again. I feel like it's totally okay to try something and get to the point where you realize this totally didn't work. Yeah, that's kind of what happened. Because like, how do you find any new strategy that might really work for you? Hopefully, yeah. hopefully the getting to the point of this really didn't work isn't like a major drawdown or anything like that. Um, it should be with smaller size, but but I think like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, also being flat for five months is also not a total fail. I mean, there's many yeah. portfolios that blew up. You know? Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, I just matched my risk, but I, the two strategies definitely bought each other. One would sell, say buy, one would say sell, and it threw me off a lot. So now I'm really like, okay, I can swing trade and invest, but it has to be different time frame, different portfolio. And you know, yeah. out of sight, out of mind. I can't day trade and hold longer at the same time. It, it I don't know, it's not working on the same stock. So Tommy, are you are you triad trading? Yeah, triad trading. Yeah. So you had asked yesterday about trader rehab when I sent in that message that I had given back my whole day. Uh -huh. Um I I guess that maybe I would say that I had put myself in trader rehab last fall because I had three red months in a row, which I had never had before. 
And so at that point, I was finally like, I really need to change something that I'm doing. Um, but yesterday, yesterday was really just one bad trade that just took my whole day. And then I was a little frustrated and just overtraded more because after that one trade, I was still up $100 on the day. And then I took a couple more trades and I lost another 400. Um, so like for me, trader rehab, I would have to be in, I would have to be having a lot of consistent red days. Um, and so I was thinking about, I saw your, your question on that and didn't have time or make the time to respond. So I'm glad I can now, but, um, like I had just come off of like 23 straight green days. So whenever I'm trying to figure that out, like when I had a red day, basically it's why did it happen? Is it going to keep happening? Was it just one trade that went wrong? Can I keep doing what I'm doing with the same size? Um, so like all of that, all of those factors, I was like, no way. Um, it was just one bad trade really that got me. And other than that, I've been having a lot of consistency and some really good results. So, um, like that's what I think about if I'm trying to think about do I need to turn my trading around or was it just one kind of like one trade that went wrong? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Colby, did you did you want to share your experience about you know moving from you know where you quit you quit the one strategy that didn't that didn't work out for you, which is what we're doing, which is the small cap scalping. Yeah, you have a completely different headspace with why you want to trade. And now I start to see that you're getting a little bit more consistent, which is good. Did you want to share your experience about? Uh, Honestly, I feel like I've been trader rehab. Green trader. I've been trader rehab since I started trading. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I did small caps for like eight months. I had like small success, but then right when the market went into recession, I was like, "Why the hell am I trading small caps whenever every large cap in the whole market can be shorted, and I can't short small caps on TOS, and they're all falling like ten percent a day." So I just, I focused on that. I traded NVIDIA only for like six months. And then I've been trading SPY for like nine months. And recently I've been talking a lot to, uh, with SMB Capital. I've been trying to get a job there or like internship, whatever. Um, and he's the, the guy that I've been contacting, he's been asking me to like create playbooks for my strategies. And, um, like he's been asking me like, what's your A plus setup and like giving me suggestions about the strategies that I've sent to him. And ever since I started doing that, I feel like I say this every month, I try something different, it, but just bear with me. Ever since I started making playbook posts, I feel like it's helped me, like it's helped me fix a lot of my other problems that you wouldn't assume would happen from making a playbook. Like you wouldn't think like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to trade less from a playbook, but that's exactly what's been happening. Like I've, I've been writing down a, probably like three or four strategies that I really like a lot. And whenever the market is doing something and those strategies are not present at all, but I feel like I want to trade, it makes me not trade it because I'm like, okay, this is clearly not a setup that I have defined in my strategy book. So if it's not a setup, I'm not going to take it. And then if I see something that is setting up that I've already created parameters for, like, you know, there's like an opening range breakout, super simple strategy. You mark the, the th first 30 minute candle, you mark the high and the low, you get a candle closure break of that level and then a retest and you get your entry. And it's just like a simple breakout strategy based on the first 30 minutes of the spy. And um, when I see that happen, I'm like, I'm going to take it. And the other thing that's really cool about it is all of these strategies have their own win rate. They have their own risk reward. 
So I can take a strategy and I'll know immediately like this doesn't have that high of a win rate and it makes the loss much easier to swallow because I don't care that, you know, I lost on the strategy because now I'm just waiting for the next strategy to show up. So I feel like I've been recently the, the number one thing, which I feel like it's all I ever say is like, I'm trying to trade as little as possible and study as much as possible so that I have like, I'm just, honestly, this is probably like my biggest struggle to trading. I'm just such an analytical person. Like I'll never, I'll never just do something because someone says it. I have to ask like, why, how, mm -hmm. when, you know, like I need to know like every single variable of everything. And it's just like something that's my personality and I don't know why, but that's what I've been working on recently. And I really like it a lot. I think it's going to be, it's going to help me size too, because if I see that strategy and, you know, I have. 10 variables and they're all pointing bullish, they're all pointing bearish. And then I have the opening range breakout to take, you know, I can size up on that and uh, it'd be a lot easier than just jumping around and taking a trade because I like feel a certain way. I don't want to ever take a trade because I feel like something will happen, which is weird because talking to all of you guys, I feel like small caps are way more about feel. Mm -hmm. way more. Like it's much more of like get your reps in. Like you gotta trade like a decent amount. You gotta just know. You kind of create your own strategy, and it's solely in your head. And when you tell it to someone else, they're like, "That definitely doesn't work." And then you show them your P and L, and you're like, "It does work actually." And then the guys <laughs> like, "Oh, well." So, but for me, like the spy is not like that. So we were even talking last week where I was even saying sometimes I take trades because I know how I will feel if I don't take the trade. And that's actually sometimes my best trades, like, which is the exact opposite. Uh -huh. Crazy. So much can work. <laughs> I feel like that that strategy with large caps, though, like trading NVIDIA for six months, you're just getting really focused on how that stock trades. Just like when you're trading small caps, you get really used to how small caps trade. And if it's like a similar float, similar if it two small caps that have almost everything in common, they're going to trade pretty similar. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. And it just depends on yeah. like what fits your personality better. And that's, that's something that I struggle with too, because if you think about the stock market and it's like Lance Breitstein always brings up this concept of like the broken slot machine. So, you know, if you're walking to a casino and you see a thousand slot machines and there's one person sitting on a slot machine, every time they push the button, they're hitting a jackpot. And you're like, this statistically makes no sense. How is that possible? I'm not going to play that slot machine. Well, you're an idiot. Why would you not play that slot machine? It doesn't matter what's going on, what your probability is in your head. And the problem with my trading is I'm trading SPY every day. And that is the definition of no edge because I'm trying to pull money out of a day where maybe the SPY has no trend at all. Maybe it's just completely ranging and it's like very tricky to trade. Whereas you guys are finding a broken slot machine every single day, no matter mm -hmm. what. You're finding that 200% runner that has a 0.10 million flow and has X amount of volume and is doing this kind of pattern, whatever. And it's just like, boom, you already have your answer. Whereas for me, I kind of have to gauge when the SPY is having its little broken yeah. slot machine 10 minute frame of the day you know what that's i mean it's very hard yeah that's because why i think it's good for me to like yeah. list out my strategies because if i have them all written out they're all very different but like with small caps you're kind of just you're, you're following momentum whereas the spy is not really a momentum driven 
instrument. It's just kind of like right. moving depending on the sectors and overall institutional involvement and like macro data and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So then how do you know on a day when the market opens? You're like, because it seems like if it's a ranging day, you won't even know until it's already over. So that's a good that's question. That's the problem that I had when I was trying to do large caps. So that opening range breakout strategy is the one that I was, you know, you, you mark the high and the low, the first 30 minute candle, you get a breakout, the candle closure, it has to close above that level or below the bottom or the top of the range. And you play the breakout. And then yesterday when I was writing up, because every day when that strategy happens, I take that strategy from that day and I'll write it up into my playbook. So I'll take like, it happened yesterday. I write it up in the playbook and I'll say, this is May 8th. You know, this is what happened today. This is why it worked. This is why it didn't work, whatever. And then I was looking at it. And I was like, you know, actually, since whenever, since we have CPI tomorrow, um, the opening range actually held perfectly in between the first 30 minute high and low. So like the first 30 minute high and low, the spy all day was stuck in that range the whole day. And it's, I mean, last time I checked my phone, that's what was happening today as well. And I was thinking like, oh, I should make another strategy called the opening range hold, where instead of it breaking out of the opening range, it's going to hold that first 30 minute volume because we have uncertainty coming out in the future. Because obviously like CPI is a big catalyst for the market. Why, if you're an institution and there's a random chance that something bad might happen in a couple of days, you're not going to buy or sell any stock. You're just going to yeah. sit tight. So whenever institutions aren't trading the market, then you know it's going to be way more likely to range. So taking an opening range breakout strategy is not going to be working. So like the spy for me, it's all about like identifying like what season are we in? Like what's what's today going to be like? Is it going to be a choppy day? Is there is there a likelihood of trending? Like we have way more likelihood of trending after CPI or after FOMC after jolts, after non-farm payroll, you know? So that's like the number one thing when you're trading the indices, you kind of have to know the environment first and then trade your strategies like accordingly to that environment. I do want to propose a question, which is a little like kind of off, kind of different topic is like, what do you think is the future of what the heck we're doing? Like right now, like what's the future of day trading and even just trading a small cap or like a large cap? Um, where is this where is this headed like 10, 20, 30 years from now? What happens when we're 50 or 60? What are, what are we going to be doing at 50 or 60? Um, Making a billion dollars a day. <laughs> yeah, that'll be worth like 10 bucks. <laughs> or is this something that's going to peter out after like 10 years and there's going to be no more volume in the markets? I doubt it because trading has been around since like the early 1900s, right? And yeah. it's still going and more sophisticated now and easier than ever for just anybody to pull up their phone and start day trading. Or, you know, if you're a little more serious, download a desktop app and set up hotkeys and that kind of thing. But like, it's only becoming more accessible. Um, wealth disparity is only growing. I can't imagine that the government would be able to pass laws or anything that would like substantially change the environment of the market or day trading. Yeah. Um, like they're trying to put taxes on unrealized gains. Like there's no way that's going to happen because those people yeah. own the politicians. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I don't imagine that it's going to go away or change greatly. Um, this is something that I'm anticipating being able to do for the next, I don't know how long till, till I get bored with it or, um, till I find something else, I guess. Yeah. Me, honestly, I think the market's just going to get a lot harder. Like, I just think it's going to become much more difficult. And, um, this was a really interesting thing I saw this morning that made me think of this. <clears throat> um, yeah. So this is wow. Buffett's outperformance over the past 50 years. Okay, so this is crazy to look at. Look at how much he outperformed the market in from 65 down to like 2005-ish. And then look at recently, it's just not even close. I mean, the only reason that he's outperforming now is because it's not, most of his portfolio is made of Apple and that's it. If you take Apple out of this, which is what he said, I think, there's no performance at all in the past, no outperformance at all in the past decade. So for 10 years, the best investor of our generation hasn't even beaten the market if you take out his number one stock that is literally a third of this entire portfolio. So. I mean, take what you will out of that. I just feel like it's probably the market is just going to become more and more difficult to trade. I don't, I think that it, like obviously more people are able to trade now, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. I don't, I mean, you could I argue that. that more retail volume is like better for people who are experienced because we can take more of their money. But honestly, I feel like we're most of the money that people make that are actually professional traders is just piggybacking off of institutions and larger players. We're not really taking money from the guy that opened his Robinhood account with a thousand dollars and he's buying calls, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, agree. I, agree. I think, uh, I, I agree with uh, Danny, uh, that, uh, it's, I mean, there, you guys know about the tulip mania, right? Where like the Dutch, um, were trading tulips. It was from 1634 to 1637 and the bowl painting in my room, not here, but back in Berlin, it has a tulip in its mouth to represent that. And, you know, that kind of shows that human psychology will just pretty much forever be here. So unless like AI takes over the world, I think there's, which might happen, who knows, but I think there's always going to be something to trade. So maybe we're not trading on TD Ameritrade or DAS or whatever, but we're going to understand that there's trends, there's pullbacks, there's, you know, uh, there's ranging markets, and I think we can apply these skills to many different things and just understand herd mentality. And that's what I like about trading so much is you, I mean, Cole, you have a degree in psychology, right? And I think any trader naturally gets a degree in psychology, right? And trading, it allows you to utilize that degree because it's really just human emotions on a, on a chart. And so I, I don't know how long, you know, maybe we're going to be trading small cap gappers for, but I do know that we'll be able to apply these skills in any scenario. We'll just identify a trend, ride it, capitalize on it and get off when the trend's over. Yeah, I agree with that. And like, even from when I started day trading three years ago, the market environment has changed quite a bit. Um, yeah. Like I, I started trading and started following Ross and then eventually became one of his students, took his courses, all of that stuff. Um, like everything that is in those courses definitely still plays out in the market today, just a little bit differently. 
um, like the moves that we're seeing today don't really look like the moves that we were seeing a year or two or three ago. But there are still strong moves to capitalize on. So it's just a matter of adapting. But um, I think was it Colby who was who brought up the point of the newer traders maybe not necessarily being like a good thing. I think that's definitely true because depending on their level of education and like patterns and setups that they've learned and know, um, it it might be good or it might be bad that we have all of these newer traders in the in the market who are kind of creating a lot of unpredictability because they don't know what the setups are and where they should be buying or should be selling. And then at the same time, we have algorithms and market makers and big firms who are directly playing against us and trying to take our money. Um, but I mean, it's that's kind of why it's so interesting to me and something that I've not gotten bored with yet is because you have to keep adapting to it and learning and growing in order to keep making money from it. Like I've gotten bored with most other jobs, most any other job that I've ever had within like a year or two, because I'm like, all right, I I get it. I'm not going to be making any more money than this. What's next? So at least in the market for me, it's like there's no cap. Um, maybe our strategies adapt and change over time, but I really like that. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen next month or next year or five years from now. Um, yeah, my only plan is try to keep getting better over time. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see what happens. I heard Ross say one time that he uh, he he wants to just teach people how to drive, like in the stock market. Like everyone that yeah. goes into the market, they all have like a permit, right? When you get your yeah. first account, and his his goal is to teach people how to drive correctly. And I was like thinking, like, is that a good thing or is wow. that a bad thing? Because if That's everyone knows how to drive, then doesn't like no one technically know how to drive? Well, yeah. like in the same idea why don't shorts just let a stock run up and then short it like why don't we just work together yeah because it would everyone would make a lot more money but that's not how it works in reality yeah for whatever reason because they all disagree on how high it's going yeah exactly yeah true shorts are like this is the top yeah <laughs> and yeah even this recession i mean this is the most widely predicted recession of all time and that's a pretty good argument to say that if the market does capitulate at one point and all the sellers get flushed out and we do drop 20% in a certain amount of time, it is going to be genuinely the exact moment that nobody is going to expect it because it cannot happen when everyone is shorting the market. Why would everyone get paid? You know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um, yeah next stop is uh, what? We're we're playing SPY. <laughs> Seriously. What's what's next up? Or no, three twenty, right? Uh, no, four twenty. Um, Alex, you had mentioned earlier about going into the living room and your girlfriend just sees you like so frustrated. I'm I was curious. Um, I'm on my third relationship while being a day trader. This one is going <laughs> great. I have a really really great. Uh, girlfriend who's very supportive and frequently kinder to me than I am to myself. Are you guys in relationships? What have you, what have you, your experience has been like in that? Should I start? Um, <laughs> we could bring her in here and she could explain it. 
Dude, it was funny. I came in here and he was telling, we were talking about, she's like, who's Tom? And she was like, is that Triad Trading? And I was like, she like, is in our Discord somehow? And, and Alex is like, yeah, he does like this scalping strategy where he'll, he'll like buy these dips and breakouts and all this terminology. And she's like, I'm like, what the hell? Like, she knows how to trade, I guess. That's like that one yeah. podcast clip where we had was like, you're like, my girlfriend knows more about my trading rules than I do. Yeah. <laughs> she can tell me, like, my girlfriend can give me like a within $20, like, approximation of how green or red I am on the day. She doesn't know <laughs> by my mood. She my my girlfriend knows if I'm trading after eleven, it usually means I'm either very green on the day or very red. Yeah, yeah exactly. Same here. She was like, "Should you be still trading?" I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't know what we would do without them. Yeah, uh-huh. my girlfriend's very supportive. So, I mean, I yeah. I've been trading since I've met her, so she doesn't. She's yeah. known me as a trader, so she supports me. She wouldn't be dating me otherwise. Same here. <laughs> I'm very lucky that both of us don't really have like a very conventional life in mind. Like neither of us really want, like I, I obviously really don't want a nine to five job and just like stability, <laughs> which sounds funny, but, um, and she, we, we actually met at the gym and then she became a personal trainer there and, um, she does some stuff online too. And both of us are just kind of interested in ways to not really be just like ingrained in the system and stuck and and just like completely stable at this level over time so that's that's pretty nice to have yeah i think that's really big like where you date somebody that's kind of doing something similar like doctors date doctors or i have a friend who works in the government he's dating someone that works in the government otherwise like you don't like you have such different views of the world yeah. Um, so yeah, my girlfriend, she's also freelancer slash trying to start her own company. And cool. I, yeah, I just asked her. She doesn't. She doesn't want to come on. But she said, uh, <laughs> "Why? Why doesn't he stick to his rules?" <laughs> so I think we all it's not that problem. easy. You don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're like rules are like a framework. You know. They're, yeah. Sometimes you can break them. Sometimes you almost have to break them. You know, nothing works today. Okay. Well, screw it, I'm going to trade the range, and that, that's what works, you know? Uh, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, so it's a tough one. So tough uh, in relationships. But uh, I think your your partner definitely has to be your psychologist, psychiatrist, that's to some extent. Like, no, definitely to has to be out. on board and supportive, even when you're not. And like, even if you're having a red streak, they're like, you're going to be fine. Because <laughs> like you're the not. alternative isn't helpful. No, no. You ha- yeah, you have to be supportive because it's so easy to probably talk a trader out of it. <laughs> you know, like, why don't you just do something uh, X, Y, Z? So if you, if you want us to be committed, I think you're going to have a pretty supportive partner for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you don't have a partner, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like a little bit of a risky bet on their end as well. <laughs> Get, trying to date a trader, you never know when they're just going to blow up and then they're going to have no money, not be able to pay rent and whatever. They're <laughs> looking for some excitement. <laughs> Dude, I have nightmares where I'm like already rich and I blow up like my whole account. Oh God. <laughs> like millions or something. <laughs> I've seen a few tweets that are along those lines where it's like, I gave back, you know, 200,000 or something like that. I gave back my whole account. 
So it seems like what you have to do at one point is like start stripping your accounts, right? Always keep that at hundred K or something. Yeah. yeah. At least your day trading one, you know, most of the, most of the guys who I'm friends with in the group who they like, I think like all of them have their million dollar verified profitability badge and more than that. Um, they very frequently will size down their account because if they have a certain amount of buying power in their account, they will use it. Like it doesn't matter if it's one or two or 300,000, they'll just, they'll use it. Yeah. So they have to be more careful with what's, what is actually in their account, depending on like the state of the market. So they'll yeah. take out of their account. That's what scares me about the whole exponential bet sizing, you know, that we talked about before. It's like, what happens when you do exponential bet sizing and you're hundred percent sure this trade's going to work and you lose on it, you know? Uh, <laughs> then you uh you just take the loss and you well, try again tomorrow rule, rule number one never bet more than you're willing to lose yeah, that I mean, rule applies it doesn't matter if you're sure, guess, yeah. right that rule should always apply yeah there's there's definitely some rules you should never break I like something along those lines never bet more uh yeah that's Me, that's the next loss that's the hard part that I have about the exponential sizing. Like I can do two times, I can do four times sort of, but eight times, like I'm not really willing to take a loss on that. So yeah. that's still something that I'm working on. It screws the stats up way too much in that regard. Like, yeah, recovering from an 8x loss, I mean, that's, that could be insane. Um, it just has to be your best setup. Like, it it has to be something that you're 100 percent confident in. Yeah, and probably coming off a nice hot streak of like four yeah. x, five x green days in a row. Yeah, you need some cushion, or else mentally you're going to be destroyed. You definitely don't want to do it in a <laughs> downtrend. Um, yeah, it's tough because sometimes you don't know if it's an A plus setup till like halfway through, and you're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> You're like, that was a good setup. I wish I was in this. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm chasing it. <laughs> yeah, let me buy it now after it's 20% pop. That is something that I've gotten a lot better at lately is just not chasing those and not having FOMO on them because we had SFWL earlier today. It went from, what, it halted up originally at like 550, opened at 680, hit a high of 1245. Yeah. And someone in the chat was like, what's your play on this? I'm like, I missed it. There is no play. That's a and great answer. I missed it. There is no play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I've, it took a long time to get to that point to just be like, I missed it. Sucks. But um, luckily I was making money on TCRX while that was happening. So I felt a little better about it. Um, but just like taking losses, chasing those things enough times like it was PHUN, I think sometime last year, it had done that. It halted up and up and up from like five to 25 or something like that. It finally halted down once or twice. I took a hundred shares at like 19 or something like that. And it went into a halt down. It opened at like nine. I lost $1,100 on a thousand shares wow. or, or on a hundred shares. Um, and you only, you only need that a couple times before you're like this isn't worth it yeah that was back in DWAC. yeah it was dwac and and fun fun is a terrible stock terrible company 
<laughs> I don't hold a grudge or anything, obviously. <laughs> Danny, do you have a direct access when you're using your DOS platform? No. So the funny thing is it's literally called direct access software, but through TD, it's still through TD. So it's not actually direct access to the market. Um, but uh, in, the, in TD Ameritrade, you can change your account to have direct access. You can. You well, you can you can tell them where you want your order to be sent, but it still goes to TD first. It doesn't just okay. bypass TD. So <clears throat> yeah, I've tried that. I've as far as I know, I've tried everything. It's it's not a direct access broker. Yeah, I looked into it as well. There's no. I think I even had a on phone call with multiple people. Yeah, no way to bring it up. The cool thing though is it's free. So <laughs> I mean it's huge. When when some fee traders like including you know Ross talk about their their trading fees, I'm like, or yeah. like we have a three K red day, it's really like a five K red day sometimes, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody in chat earlier was like, I'm up four hundred something, but probably flat on the day after fees. I was like, How can you yeah. I mean for me, that's just not acceptable. Obviously, yeah. I don't I don't I've tried Lightspeed twice and came back to T D twice. Um, yeah. I just can't stomach that at all. No, it really feels almost insulting. I, yeah. I guess it really depends on your strategy. Like I know Ross is quite aggressive. You are pretty aggressive. Tommy's pretty aggressive as well. Like with your quick trade, I'm not usually that quick as a trader. So I don't know if light speed would make a difference for me because I'm more mm -hmm. of like a limit order and hold for at least. Yeah. A bit. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely could not justify those fees. I think. I trade quickly like Ross, like um, there have been at least two or three times in the past, only just past week or two weeks that um, both of us caught the exact same trade. And um, the only difference is I trade a lot more than Ross through the day because he'll just stop. Um, so I was talking with him the other day and he he was like, I looked at your um your April results that you posted. And I, I had posted like a $26,000 month and he did the calculations with the shares that I traded. Um, I would have been like flat on the month, practically like wow. 26,000 straight to the broker. That's insane to me. I don't know if it was 26,000 in fees and commissions, but like it was most of it. That's ridiculous. Yeah, my trading style also, I don't, like, it would, it would be eaten alive. I remember I traded a bit when I was in college for, like, a year and a half. And sometimes I would have, like, four or $500 in fees. That's when the TD Ameritrade was $5 per trade, basically. Uh, yeah, that, that just eats you alive. And then I, I traded crypto for, like, two years. That's when I was basically trading, like, Ethereum or Litecoin every day, kind of like we were trading NVIDIA, but I was just trading that, and those fees ate me up alive too because they were percent based. And yeah, I mean, sometimes a big trade is kind of cost you 40 bucks to enter it. Uh, so it's, yeah, so that's why yeah. I, I switched back to trading stocks because we have commission. With futures, I pay a dollar 30 every trade, no matter what. And that's with the smallest possible size you can use. So that's round trip? Yeah. That's like per fund. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing the math right now. I would have had um like nine thousand dollars in fees on my twenty six thousand profit. Yeah, 
And that was the best month I've had in two years. So yes, like imagine a normal month. Yeah. Imagine a red month. Dude, that's like a break exactly. even month. You, you're up 500, but you're really down. Yeah. Like five grand. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No. I don't know. You'd have to really justify it somehow. I guess Ross justifies it because he's quite aggressive as a trader, but I don't know. He's he's quite aggressive and specifically his strategy, he keeps buying as it's going higher. So when he when it finds resistance or the spot to sell, he needs to be able to sell instantly. Yeah. And he, he needs to be able to buy quickly too, but I think being able to get out of the trade is more important. Yeah. Um, but also he just doesn't trade nearly as much or as many trades as like i'm taking so yeah he's less scratch trades it feels like it's it's, it's much cleaner the way he trades for sure yeah. Mm. yeah i wonder if that's just what's going to happen to all of us through time you just trade less and less and for sure i think that's i'm trying to it's like, like if you ever go, like, let's say do a sport with somebody, you know, like for me, if I surf with somebody that's not good at surfing, you know, I'll paddle past the break and I'm super relaxed and they're exhausted, right? You just become efficient over time. When I mountain bike with my dad, he's like 10 times better than me. I'm exhausted and he's like, you know, hopping around and like, no problem. It's just so the better you get, the more efficient you just, all those little mistakes, you just don't do as much anymore. Yeah. So I think it translates to trade. Also, one thing I just had in my mind as well is if you realize that other traders don't trade certain styles, do certain things um, because of fees, sometimes it's important to keep that in mind. Like sometimes when I look at sub dollars, I'm like, do I want to trade that? Because I know a lot of traders aren't trading that because of they pay per share. So mm -hmm. sometimes I avoid sub dollars just because of that alone. And that's what creates a big price action. Um, nasty drops because there's maybe no buyers you know waiting around so. i think that's definitely important to pay attention to especially people who like you know they're good at trading or make a lot of money is what are they trading and what are they not and why specifically yeah um like manoli i've talked about him before he he just absolutely kills it on penny stocks like 20 30 40, 50 cents. It doesn't matter because he's looking at the range. If it can go from 20 cents to 25 cents, that's a 25% move in, in that stock. And if he's loaded up on it, like a couple hundred thousand shares, that could be a 10 or $20,000 winner for him. Um, but that's, that's how he's trading them. And it took a long time for me to figure out like what other profitable traders are doing and what i should be doing like should i be doing that or should i not um that's that definitely is part of becoming a more advanced trader i think is figuring out like what noise should i be paying attention to and what should i be tuning out mm -hmm. like what's actually helpful for me to listen to and what is not and then like also going back to you tried this strategy it didn't work so you move on i think it's fine to try a strategy and figure out if it works or not but and that's how you kind of figure out your own style is what's important for you to pay attention to and what's important to ignore. Mm, that's a great point. Do you trade uh, sub dollars? Cause like now you see Manoli and it's working for him. I do. Yeah, I do now. Um, they're not my best plays usually. Um, but I do. There's, there's little that I won't trade if it's looking right and good. 
Yeah, I like that attitude. It makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah, like just because it's 50 cents or $20 or $100, if it's doing the right things, it's just a matter of share size. Yeah, I mean, yesterday, all our, our the best two tickers were sub dollars pre market. Yeah. GRVN and the other one I forgot. What is really annoying, though, and something to pay attention to is the stocks that were um, under a dollar or under a certain price point the day before. If they open up um, over the next day, their halt bands are going to be really, really narrow. So they're going to be just halting up and down all day, and that can make them really hard to trade. Oh, actually, I didn't know that, but I always was wondering why some tickers are getting halted like crazy yeah. for no reason, it feels like, while some have like a huge... Like they have a 10 or a 15 cent halt band. Yeah, yeah okay. That's so that's, usually. Uh, I'll have to pay attention to that. It's a really good point. Yeah. You, well, you said if it, if it gaps overnight from a penny stock to a dollar? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something like that. Even... You, can, you can probably look it up, um, but that's, that's what it is. Mm. Yeah. All of the uh, NASDAQ and NICE halt rules are listed online they're a little bit hard to follow there's a lot of rules and like time of day and that kind of stuff but that's generally what it is yeah i think that's why i like pre-market trading so much because there's no holds yeah I feel like the price action is so much cleaner and the market open happens and it's all chaotic but everyone's different right some people thrive off of that yeah absolutely everyone is different yeah drbn was halting all over the place yesterday yeah, I, I have, have, I have done really well on it until I didn't. It's hard for me to get in because I knew the halt level down was so close. Mm -hmm. The good setup, you know, for me for penny stock is is um, if it doesn't have potential to reach one dollar a share, I usually don't trade it because that's mm -hmm. usually the kind of the marker that I'm looking for is for that cross into a dollar because then it starts to skip pennies versus yeah. micro pennies. Yeah. Well, that's mm. really Yeah. And then sometimes it'll switch from the micro pennies to back to like the normal decimal places. That's usually gives me a little bit of confidence. Um, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I hate it when it's to like four decimal points because it makes the level two and stuff really hard to read. Yeah, you have to zoom out on it, but even that will still constantly auto-correct into like the wrong. Yeah, um, I don't even level. bother with the ladder at that point. Then I'm then I'm just using the DOS level two. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense for you. Yeah, always zoom out, but that's pretty much my only option. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Anything you want to add as a large cap trader? What's gonna happen tomorrow? Dude, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Predict something. Should we, should we CGI, CGI has been, uh, it's been weakening as a catalyst a lot recently. Like last year, yeah. CPI comes out 20 points in the spy, like in a second, yeah. 20 points. And that's, you know, it was literally like two and a half percent moves just in a, in a literal instant second. And then we split the other direction. Crazy. But now this year, CPI matters a lot less because the fear of inflation is a lot dampened because you know, it's been coming down for like, I don't know, a long time, like nine months straight. It's been coming down every single month. Yeah. And uh, the, the biggest fear right now is just banking regional banks. All the money is getting taken out of regional banks and getting put into these, 
you know, Bank of America, JP Morgan, Chase, all those companies, because why would you put your money in a regional bank if they're going to do all this sketchy shit with it? So, yeah. And then you could see it in the price action too, like PACW and WAL. I mean, they had 200% moves off their lows from two days ago only. So they were halting down. WAL was halting down, I think since two days ago. And they, um, and they were saying that they were going to sell, they were going to sell their bank to like JP Morgan or something. And then they came out right at the bottom at the bottom was like $11. And they came out with an article that said, that's not true. It's false. Okay, well, how the fuck did that even happen? Okay, how did how is there an article coming out saying they're going to sell their company? Everyone listens to it. Yeah. And it drops literally set, like, it was like 60% from, it went from like 30 to 11. It went to 11, halted down, opened at 18. 18. Yeah. Jack Kellogg bought that right at the bottom. He bought it at 11. It's funny. Jack Kellogg did? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it was probably small size, but it was I, I hope that helps with his, with his three hundred thousand dollar loss that he took shorting. Top. What was it? Top. Two weeks ago. Top yeah, that game. was Alex Tem. You know, Alex sure. Tem is no. Jack did, I guess I didn't know Jack Kellogg shorted top, but I think he one posted guy, Alex, like a three hundred thirty thousand dollar loss on it. Oh my god, top. Alex Tem is he's on he does um the MIC. It's like my investing club on. They're like pretty active on Twitter and everything. But okay. he lost, I think, four hundred. Yeah, thousand. Yeah, I saw he some of a, that. He made one hundred twenty-five k back though in the next like four days. So I mean, yeah, yeah, you make a lot, you lose a lot, right? That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. Once you increase your bet size, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, you gotta train your mind to be able to handle that. I guess that's what we're all gonna work on this week: train your mind to handle bigger size. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> My biggest thing that I need to do is like I guess just do a little bit better with figuring out before it happens if I'm going to lose profit or not. Like last week before my red day on Friday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I gave back like $6,000 in profits even ending those days green. And then yeah. yesterday I gave back 2500 Today, I'm on a really solid day, and I'm not going to trade at all anymore today because, like, there's two things that can happen. I can make a little more money, or I can give back a lot of money, probably. Yeah. That's what the market has been telling me lately, so I can guarantee that I'm going to have every penny of what I've made so far if I stop today. I think that's the right idea. Unless like there's a really hot front side and it just keeps going, you know, maybe <laughs> unless, <thing>. yeah. <laughs> but, but no, I, I agree. Like, sitting there till four o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just like on a day like today where all the top gappers are like consolidating or flushing or selling off. Like it's, it's probably not worth sticking around, but like if it's oh, yeah. one of those days where it's like clearly really good and maybe just needs like a, an hour pause because you feel like there's some consolidation that needs to happen. Yeah, totally. Sure, stick around, but today's not the day for that. Yeah, that like internal expected value clock in our head, yeah. like I think that's, that kind of, that's where like Ross is like way better. Like you can see it when you trade, you're like, yeah. wow, that's that's what experience sure. is in the market when you're doing this for 20 years. Like you just know immediately, oh, that's it. Like my expected value is negative right now for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And they're done. 
And that's how he can turn it on and just he can have a 20k green day yeah. uh just like randomly because he just can feel the momentum yeah he yeah for me sometimes I, I need like a week of momentum to be like okay it's heating up again yeah. let me size yeah. up and he's like first day and, boom, and, from like, and by the time we size up the leading gapper is already fading and then yeah. we're catch the tail end of the momentum Oh, it's, yeah, and it's not just Ross too. It's it's really cool and interesting to see some of the guys in the group. They're just like their default is aggressive and they have to pull it back. And like they'll be up 10, 20, 30,000 in an instant. It's really interesting to see it. Their yeah, that's nice. is aggressive. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's also not me. Like, that's how I, started I couldn't handle that mentally. I just can't. Their default is like, this is going to the moon, I'm in. And yeah. they have to pull it back. Like, that's what I'm saying. They have to cut their account into like a quarter of the size that it was at, or they just have to stop trading. Like Jess is one of the mentors and um, he keeps his account really small because he trades with CMEG. So he has six times leverage and he uses it. But the best thing for him to do is just not trade. If something isn't going straight up, he's not trading. Um, the other guys, they'll size down their accounts, but like these guys who I trade with, who make a lot of money, their default is aggressive. It's really interesting. That makes sense. I even, even like, Ross was saying you, you, as a momentum, like dapper trader, you, ha you have to be like blindly optimistic. I think I mentioned kind of, yeah. And it makes sense. Like you have to expect that the breakout's going to happen or else why are you holding that anyway? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was my that was my issue today. I I was just like ah, I got too nervous and I closed it and it broke out. But if I was blindly optimistic, I would have made another three four hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to be kind of like blindly optimistic, but also totally objective on what is the information that's being presented to you currently by like yeah. level two yeah. in time and sales. If it's not working out, you get out. You can't just yeah. be like, oh, it's going to reverse. But it's more like. Which which is why it's hard to have to do both at the same time. It's true. It's why it's not totally natural for beginners. You have to be really quick, quick to cut it and quit it. And, but you have to be very optimistic. It's going to work. Mm -hmm. yeah. It also helps that you can't really on thinkorswim, you can't short them. So it kind of takes that out of the <laughs> equation, which is helpful for me because I'm someone who short, would short uh, easy to borrow. And then it just keeps going higher and higher and higher. I need to be like restricted to just going along. Cause then it'll just, I don't think I could ever just flip back and forth. I, I don't think I could. So here's the thing. The reason <laughs> I took such a big loss yesterday, I'm in TD's hard to borrow program. You can, anyone can just email them. I think anyone, I don't know okay. if you have to have like history of success or anything, but you can email them and be like, can you enroll me in your hard to borrow program? And if a stock says hard to borrow, you can test it and it'll either let you short it or it'll say this security is not available to short. Um, so some of the hard to borrow stocks, you can actually short them. And TRVN was hard to borrow yesterday, but I was shorting it. And I was up 1600 on it or something. And um, it was like 700 long, like 900 short, something like that. And then the last trade of the day that I took was 27, it was 3000 shares short at 274 as it was curling into the halt at the end of the day. I got 300 of them out for profit before it squeezed. And then, and then it shot up a dollar in the aftermarket right there. 
um, uh, on my 2,700 shares short. That's how I had that loss. Wait, after I mark, are you here? Yep. Oh my you Lord. You see that halt? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and then and it, it came right back down all the way back me. down. I was so frustrated. That, that, is, frustrated. that, that is literally that could, the last trade of the day. Yep. Yeah. And if, if you held that, that could have, that could have been the next top. That went to well, 20, right, exactly. opened up opened up at 20 and the next yeah. day and then rips to 50. <laughs> yeah, like you have to get out. Yep. You can't yeah, you just have keep to. holding it. Yeah. Shorting sucks. That's just fun. <laughs> I I short when I see something that's worth shorting now. Yeah. Um, but it it definitely is hard to see both sides and especially to execute on both sides. Right. Like whenever I see something that I think it's going to false breakout, but I think it's going to break out first. I'm always thinking about the breakout and then shorting it. And it's hard to um, actually execute on like the hotkeys and flipping the shares from long to short can sometimes have some like hangups in the system. Yeah. So it's hard to do mentally, but it's also hard to do um, just like execution wise. Yeah, we were talking about that in the last pod, like the fat finger hotkeys, you know. Yeah. Yes, yeah. All right, Tom. So hard to borrow. There you go. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna stay away from that. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah. I, I'm green right now, so I'm just gonna stick with what I'm doing and just keep sizing up. So perfect. I've yeah, definitely been smart. in situations where you try to exit a trade and then you're all of a sudden negative or <laughs> yeah. shorting the trade. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. <laughs> Danny, do you have to pay uh, borrow fees on those? You do, actually, but it's, like, it's completely cheap. negligible. It's not like, like reserving the shares. No, yeah, you don't have to locate fees. Either it's shortable or it's not. And then they send you a report at the end of the day on what it cost. And, like, for thousands and thousands of shares, I think it's only ever been, like, a few dollars a day. Okay, yeah. That's so, it's I don't even consider it, yeah. which is really awesome. Yeah, you just message or you just go online and message them and they'll they'll flip you over. Yeah, might be worth to do. I mean, it's nice to have and not need, right? As opposed to need and not have. But it's definitely been helpful for me. Like if if nothing is moving up one day and some stuff has momentum to the downside, I can see if I can short it. Like Bed Bath and Beyond the other week, I was taking like 30,000 shares short on it and doing pretty well on it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into this. Seems yeah. Worth it. Nice. Any, anyone want any, anything else to share before we wrap up plans going forward? I guess we did talk about plans going forward. So. How long are you staying in New York? Till Thursday. And how about Alex? Are you staying in the States now? Uh, no, this is just a quick trip. We were looking at some real estate. I was upstate New York over the weekend, just checking out some houses and some towns, like around Terrytown, like south of Pleasanton. Oh, nice. um, we didn't find anything we like yet, but we do like certain areas along the Hudson. But I don't know. It's it's so hard to say. We're also looking all over the world, so like <laughs> from Portugal to Berlin. To, so <laughs> it, I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but. Yeah. Uh, I will be here till Tuesday. My brother actually gets here on Friday. You know, some of you guys know him. And uh, then we're going to go to Connecticut for Mother's Day. Uh, with nice. my mom and, so, yeah, just kind of hanging out here a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess tomorrow we'll probably trade together. 
something like that. We'll have to all plan like something this year, maybe like a like a weekend meetup or something for the, all of us. Yeah, I'm super down for that. We'll have to find a really good spot, maybe even like the Outer Banks and rent a house or something. Yeah, with or without. How's, how's California sound? <laughs> we could do we could do <laughs> California. So we'll all be like crack babies waking up at like four, scratching yeah, their <laughs> Oh, I'm not waking up at four. I wake up at six. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll probably trade later as well then. I don't know. Yeah. yeah but you know, let's, let's are nice. open discussion. I and mean, we, we have our our section in the Discord where we do always exercise some of these ideas or throw ideas around. We haven't actually executed on them yet, but that's the next step. Super down for that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Uh, all right, guys. Toby's that time for you. <laughs> Toby's a zombie, bro. <laughs> I don't know how he's just like. Oh, that would be dead. That would be dead. All right, guys. Dang All right. Full day. <laughs> All right. Good chat. Good chat. Good chat. Later. All right. See you